Hey y'all, welcome to M-A-D-E. Mad Empowerment. Mother and Daughter Empowerment. empowerment. With Georgette Council and Zakia Clemens. We are a mother-daughter duo using our stories, experiences, and perspectives as women to encourage and empower women to lead happier, more complete lifestyles. Come on in and join the conversation. So we're back to finish uh, Gigi's breast cancer journey. Yep. Uh, the story uh, of my breast cancer diagnosis. And we left off the last time with surgery. So I made it to the day of surgery. Yes. I have tons of support there with me. Of course, I have to be there at a particular time to sign in and all that kind of stuff. And uh, then my family and friends came mm -hmm. um, to support me and wait and uh, I don't remember a lot about that day in particular. <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe. So I remember that morning, you know, woke <clears> up <throat> and it was very emotional. I think we were all, Auntie Sharon was there, of course. And of course, Daryl and Miss Jackie. Um, we were all very emotional that morning. We got up at the crack of dawn, first of all. <laughs> I don't think anybody slept the night before. No. Um, and As is witnessed by the pictures that you guys will see. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you're listening to the podcast, head to our YouTube channel to see pictures. Um, but yeah, so we make it there and so we get you checked in, they have you in the back getting you hooked up to the IVs and stuff like that. And at first I think everybody's just kind of trying to like, okay, you know, it's fine. We're here. It's okay. good. They put the IV in. It's good. We're chilling. And so we just talked and had a good time. Um, and then as it got closer, I think that's when it was like, and they ended up, I think, um, oh, one of your doctor's surgeries, yeah, ran it's longer yeah. than it. So then it was like, oh god now this anxiety has been building up like let's just get this over with yeah and so i know that was probably the last obviously the last thing that you remembered <laughs> before going into surgery was you being like when are they gonna start they're supposed to start an hour ago they're supposed to start two hours ago yeah because they they had already done all of the prep work yeah. on me i had my pectoral block i had had the sentinel node biopsy um procedure performed and mm -hmm. stuff and they i they may have already given me some painkillers mm -hmm. you know they had already given me some painkillers because yeah. like i said i don't remember like i don't remember people coming into the room to give me a kiss or praying with me before i went back i, I don't remember any yeah of that they stuff. had already given you um some painkillers because you had told the doctors like look i don't i don't want to feel anything <laughs> yeah so they were like anything we can give you we're gonna give you so they did but yeah, I mean, surgery, so of course you were back there and we had plenty of support out there and we got updates, um, I think like every hour or something like that, we got a call. Um, they called Daryl with an update on where they were going and how it was progressing along and everything was always good. Um, and so then finally you come out of surgery and um, you well, were, let, me, let me back up and oh. explain to everybody that. So I opted to have um, immediate reconstruction. Mm -hmm. So there are multiple ways that you can have this surgery done when you have a mastectomy. A lot of women opt not to have any kind of reconstruction and they just remain flat. So they remove all of the breast tissue and you just remain flat. There's no, there's, there's some breast tissue left because it's connected to your skin, but it's minimal, you know, and so you're essentially flat chested. Um, some women decide to have um, a procedure done where they prep the chest to receive your own body's um, fat and tissue at a later date so it's a delayed reconstruction 
or there's the kind that I had, which is an immediate reconstruction. So the day of my surgery, I had spacers placed in because they removed all of my breast tissue and then they put these spacers in, which would stretch my skin out because they had to remove skin and, and tissue. And so then they put these spacers in that they would inflate over a period of time to stretch the skin to accept an implant. So that's what I opted mm -hmm. to do. And so my plastic surgeon is the one who had a surgery prior to that sure. ran long. And that's what, you know, kind of uh, delayed, delayed my procedure. But after all was said and done, I think the procedure, I think the whole time was maybe four hours or something. I think there were about two hours a piece, maybe an hour and a half for the remove the breast and, or two hours remove, two and a half hours remove the breast and an hour and a half to do the implant, the reconstructive part. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I had no idea what time it was because we got there early in the morning and I yeah, think I, mean, I got to recovery Yeah, it ended up being an all day thing. Yeah. It was dark when we got there. It was dark by the time um, you got out of surgery when we were able to see you because, you know, of course they give you some time to kind of come out from underneath the anesthesia and stuff. And so kind of funny, which is why I say I know the last thing that was on your mind was like, dang, I wish they would go ahead and do this surgery because whatever, we finally, they finally put you in a room. And by that point, you know, everybody else had left. So I think it was me and Jazz and Daryl and Auntie Sharon. Um, oh, Auntie Marianne too. And then I think she left as soon as they got you to the room. But, you know, we're talking to you as you're kind of coming out from under the fog and you see us and you're like, oh, they haven't done the surgery yet. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, they, you're out. And that's just what you kept saying. Like, you would kind of fall asleep and you come back and like, oh, they haven't done it yet. And we're like, no, yes, it's over. And then you fall asleep. They haven't done it yet. So I know that was the last thing that had been on your mind before kind of going out of it. Um, that was a rough night, you know. They came in and tried to teach us a little bit about, like, look, what your pain level was going to be and what you needed um, as far as medicine and all of that. Um, so that was a rough first night for sure. Um, and then we went on home and started that recovery. Started the, the recovery house. process. And so, yeah, so I came home and uh, I came home with drains. They had to be measured and monitored for a number of days. And then those were removed. And then I began the process of having the expanders inflated. Mm -hmm. And so every week I would have to go to the plastic surgeon's office and they would in insert saline into these um, expanders to stretch my skin and then which was leading up to the exchange surgery which I had in December mm -hmm. and so I recovered well everything was progressing and going well from the mastectomy mm -hmm. and um, no complications no issues at the end of the mastectomy they had clear margins meaning that there was no cancer found um, in any of the surrounding tissue they checked several lymph nodes and removed lymph nodes. There was no cancer in my lymph nodes, which meant that it had not spread and metastasized anywhere else. And so that was good news as well. And so everything was good. And then December, I had my second surgery mm -hmm. um, where I had the exchange, which was a lot easier, uh, that exchange. And so, well, my first surgery, I actually ended up not having to be out of work or be away from work for six weeks. I was only out for about three and a half weeks because I recovered so well. Because somebody just couldn't I'm stay away from work. <laughs> I recovered so well, okay. And cause... I mean, the recovery, I mean, it, it did go well because you had a great nurse. <laughs> um, <laughs> the recovery did, it, it did, did go well. Care. I mean, and there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot involved with that that I think prior to the surgery, that's all we could focus on was surgery, surgery, surgery. So it was almost a shock for me too, like how much 
after the surgery, you know, how because I mean, that first week, I probably didn't sleep six hours that first week because I slept in the room with you all night, you know, waking up every couple hours to give you medicine, make sure you're walking, and just try to make sure that, like, I mean, I was so nervous and scared, you know. Yeah. And, you know, on the other side of this, um, you know, it's it's hard to be that support person, that caregiver person on the other side because, I mean, first of all, it's hard to see somebody who you care about in pain right you know and, and hurting and there's nothing you can do or you're trying to do things and you don't know what to do i mean i called the nurse that we were like can i please give her this can i give her some pills like i don't know what to do um you know so that was i think tougher than pre-surgery yeah you know that was more of an emotional like that was hard yeah. to see you in pain i mean i don't think even with you i don't you never see me in an amount of pain like that no. so you know it's just that's, and that's been an ongoing thing, even with some of the, the, you know, things that have come, challenges that have come after reconstruction, just trying to be strong and take care and make sure that you're okay. And then also realizing with some stuff, there's like nothing that nothing I can that do can and do. I just have to sit here and watch you be in pain. Yeah. Um, but that being said, I think, though that was the most difficult part, it did, the first couple of days were the toughest. Like, I remember talking to Vincent, talking to my boyfriend and being like, I, like I'm gonna lose it like I, I don't know what to do because it was just constant you know you were in so much pain yeah. you had to do things you know you couldn't use your arms to right. do stuff but you wanted to and you, it was that was just yeah. that was probably more rough than and again I don't remember a lot about the first few days home because I was still under the influence of the anesthesia and the morphine and I was taking and we learned that we drugged you up too much you did day. you did they tried to kill me <laughs> no. low key I mean like they loaded me up with class one a nurse told us to give and you painkillers and <laughs> nerve blockers and you know like yeah, that first day they were like why is she still so loopy she shouldn't be this loopy like I don't even but remember she's not feeling anything so good right I didn't remember the day after I think I had to go to the plastic surgeon's office or the surgeon's office to yeah. be checked or whatever I don't remember that I don't remember getting out of the car I remember getting into the car I remember coming home I, yeah. I have no memory of any of that kind of stuff but I know that they took really good care of me because you know obviously I'm here so um they took really really good care of me but the recovery process went well for both mm -hmm. surgeries. Yeah. And then the next phase came when I went to see the oncologist after the surgery. And I can't remember the time frame, but after a period of time, you go back to see the oncologist. They go over your pathology report for you and put you on the next course of treatment, which is chemo, uh, chemotherapy, radiation, or both, or um, and hormonal treatment. Well, they got the final staging of my cancer, which turned out to be stage one, um, grade two. So it's moderately aggressive, but not horribly aggressive. And um, a stage one, which means that it was outside of the milk ducts or, you know, it was into the flesh. So um, as a result, I was blessed uh, not to have to have chemotherapy and not to have to have radiation. And so that was that was a great thing, you know, to to be at the point where I didn't have to worry about any of that kind of stuff. Um, I only had to do the hormonal therapy, and I say only, um, but it comes with its own set of challenges, sure. like Zakia said. So I am now on a course of treatment um, for many many years, where I will be taking um, this hormonal therapy because my cancer was 
uh, hormone driven. And so they've got me on an oral chemotherapy, which basically blocks the hormones that would normally feed the cancer. And I'm probably butchering the medical part of all of that, <laughs> but in layman's terms, that's the way I understand it. So basically this medication um, binds to the estrogen in my body and prevents the cancer cells from being able to bind to it and grow and multiply and things like that. So, uh, but it comes with its own set of challenges. You know, I now have health issues that I didn't have before. So I have mild neuropathy uh, in my hands and feet from time to time. I suffer with bouts of nausea um, frequently. Um, I have achy joints, um, you know, my joints ache. Uh, there's weight gain. Uh, there, there's just a, a plethora of things, but in comparison to having active cancer in your body and worrying about that, this, this is nothing. Yeah. This is not debilitating, it's not comfortable, but it's not debilitating. So I'll live with this, you know, for as long as I have to, if it's gonna keep the cancer away. And now she's a survivor. And now I'm a survivor. I'm a survivor. Yeah. And anyone who goes through this, it's not an easy journey. It's a long journey. My journey is not over yet. Um, but the breast cancer community is fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, I have so much support from women that I don't even know. You know, and when people find out that you're a survivor, uh, it's just a unique club, if you will, to belong to. It's not one that anyone ever wants to belong to, but there's lots of support there. And of course, I couldn't have made it through this without the support of my, my friends and my family. I've already talked about Sharon. I've already talked about Jackie. My husband was there for me through all of this, I mean, and kept a brave face and was part of the glue that held things together. And again, of course, my ultimate nurse, Zakia. <laughs> you know, I literally, I, I couldn't have made it through this the way that I did. Um, to see the other side without your love and without your support, which I knew I would have. Of course. Um, but it's, you know, like I said, that, you know, I tell people all the time, like, you don't need friends and family in good times. You can get total strangers to help you celebrate stuff. Mm -hmm. Friends and family are for the hard times yeah. and for the challenging and the difficult times. That's when you really find out when the rubber hits meets the road is when you have a challenge where you really need to call on people. Like I literally could not do for my, I could not wipe my own butt. You know, I, I had th these T-Rex arms as they called them. So I couldn't lift anything. I couldn't pull anything. So I couldn't do anything for myself. I couldn't dress myself. I couldn't use the restroom on my own. I couldn't do anything. And it's a very humbling experience. But when you have people in your circle and in your family that love you and support you through anything. I mean, it's like a marriage and it's literally like I'm married to all of these people because it's in sickness and in health, in good times and in bad. And this was one of the worst times of my life. And I am so thankful that I had everyone there and I'm thankful that I had this journey to share with you as my daughter mm -hmm. um, because again, I think that there are lots of positives that come as a result of you seeing me go through this and seeing me make it through mm -hmm. so that when you have challenges and trials in your life later on, you'll realize that you're strong enough. You have a strength within yeah. you to be able to make it through and, and you'll I mean, have a support. In addition to that, there was a lot of personal development for me too because when this happened, I was right on the cusp of adulthood. Like I've been an adult, you know, I graduated college. At this point, I had been out of college for three years. Um, I've been living on my own for three years, you know, so I was kind of like in, um, in my adulthood, but 
I didn't have to really put on the responsibility of like staying. Like I, I still leaned on you a lot. Sure. You know, even if it wasn't like for concrete things, I still right. leaned on you. And so I think this kind of forced me to fully make that transition where you know, you were able to lean on me instead of it being the other way around. Or, you know, I was able to, like, I, I was forced to be able to handle my emotions. And I would be remiss without saying that I had a great support system. And my boyfriend and my dad especially, who I was able to, like, just release, you know, outside the times that I was trying to be strong and handle things and make sure appointments and medicine and, you know, everything was taken care of. Um, so I think for a lot of reasons, like you said, there's always a silver lining. And that yeah. kind of helped us move through that transition of me yeah. fully becoming an independent adult and realizing like life is real and I can't always not that I can't always depend on you but you know you may be going through things too and it's no longer a situation where you're just the rock that I'm leaning on but I need to be the rock sometimes right. too right so it was uh you know it, it was quite a journey or it is quite a journey mm -hmm. um the worst of it is over yeah. Uh, and I'm just looking forward to living a healthy and happy life, you know, for a long life from here on out. Um, I, too, learned a lot. You know, like I said, I learned about my, my family history. That's another thing that folks need to really be aware of is your family health history. Um, I didn't realize how much cancer we had in our family until I had to start digging and asking, um, you know, who has had what and how did people actually die and things like that. Um, so it's important to know those kinds of things, but, uh, you know, no one goes through these kinds of things alone. Mm -hmm. I relied heavily on my faith. Um, I knew that I would make it through, like I said, from the very beginning, from that first day, uh, the Lord sent an angel to let me know it was going to be okay. And throughout this whole process, he has placed people in my path, uh, be it past survivors, be it um, family members that have dealt with cancer or breast cancer with um, other people in their family, um, friends, just whatever it is, you know, he has always placed people in my, in my path. And I prayed very fervently uh, that I would recover uh, because I do want to see my daughter grow up. I do want to see her kids grow up. Um, she doesn't have them yet, but coming soon. Um, news to me <laughs> <laughs> prayerfully before I leave here um, but I want to see my grandkids grow up you know I want to you know travel there are so many things that I haven't done that I want to do and so I'm just so thankful uh, to have had you know and I tell people I feel like I was chosen you know for this and and there's a saying that says that the Lord chooses his strongest soldiers for his hardest battles and I didn't look at myself as a soldier uh, per se, but I feel like I am a strong person and now I have a platform because of my job, because of my networks that I'm a part of to share a message and I can share that message very personally with my own story. And so that is what I intend to do uh, for the rest of my days is to share the story of, uh, you know, breast cancer and survival, survival um, and the love and support that you get from having um, family, particularly my daughter, uh, you know, who was there for me through this particular situation that, uh, that was a rough one, but that, that grew us both to this point and I think made us even closer. Yeah, I think so too. 
So, in a nutshell, and I mean, that really is a nutshell. We could probably still talk for another couple hours, couple days on, you know, the whole journey and all the ins and outs. And I'm sure it'll come up in future podcast episodes um, with other things. So, um, But if you have questions specifically about breast cancer or crisis in family or whatever, uh, make sure that you reach out to us and let us know. We'd love to address that, you know, in in a future podcast episode as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We did it. We did it. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll see Breast self-help, self-checks. <laughs> I can't even say it. Self-breast exams, yes. mammograms, yes. and breast cancer awareness. Nationalbreastcancer.org for information uh, and facts and myths and, and resources. So, All right. All right. See y'all next time. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Happy Breast Cancer Awareness Month. <laughs>